0: Keep Your Cool is a podcast about Star Wars RPGs, cover art for the show provided by Silas Bazaar. all music for the show provided by Louise Humanoid, links for both of them are in the description of the show. Thank you for listening. Hello there. Welcome to episode four of the Keep Your Cool podcast. I'm your host, Davis Ballou. So I'm finally back, possibly the longest two-week break anyone's ever taken. may not be true, but it certainly went on longer than I expected it to, or even wanted it to. Um, And once you stop something, it's hard to get back in the habit of doing things, but here I am now, it's taken me months to drag myself back uh, onto the microphone, and finally I'm here. And I had to upgrade some of my software. I was using Audacity before to record my podcasts, and I actually started on this podcast a couple weeks ago. And I uh, went to go in and work on it some more today, and uh, Audacity had completely deleted it. So that was the final straw for me, and I've uh, switched over to Waveform. Not like that means anything to anyone except for me, but maybe someone will find that interesting. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, Been almost a year. And so obviously I'm a bit out of practice, not like I was in much of a practice anyway, but, um, yeah, I'm excited and I'm ready to go forward. And I've, I've got a new approach I'm going to start taking today, which I'll talk about here in a bit. Um, but for now, um, just saying thank you for coming back. Um, or thank you for finding me. And if that's, that's where you are, if you don't know, I took about a year off by accident. So, uh, anyhow, uh, Waiting all this time has uh, actually got a little bit of an of an advantage because now I've got some news for you today. Uh, A new game has been announced, and this news is a couple of months old by now as well. But uh, there's there's going to be a new game, a new Star Wars uh, RPG tabletop RPG, um, going to be released by Edge Studios. And name of the game is unknown, um, and the system of the game is unknown. Which, if you know anything about that, um, you know the dice system. Of this, uh, the Star Wars games that I typically cover, the Fantasy Flight games, was a fairly unique system that Fantasy Flight created, and they've now um, bottled that system up, called it the Genesis system, and now they're rolling that out into its own um, you know, non-specific, non-universe-specific uh, game. So it's unknown if this new game will use the Genesis system, or if it'll use a classic D20 system, or if it'll or Fantasy Flight will just go crazy again and, and make more dice because if there's something that, if there's anything Fantasy Flight likes to do, it's uh, make new dice. Uh, I believe Edge Studio is a, uh, is a child company of Fantasy Flight. That's why I'm still saying Fantasy Flight. In my own personal news, I've been expanding my library of Star Wars books, both regular books and tabletop um, source books. And that includes two of the original source books from the older two iterations of Star Wars role-playing games. Uh, so those will be interesting to discuss in the future. They all have some different flavors from one another. Uh, but for now, we'll stick with what we've got. Uh, and then finally, I've been running a lot of games in a Discord server that plays in a West Marches style. It's still Star Wars games, uh, but it's in a West Westmarch's style. And I, I'll be talking about that a little later on the podcast. Uh, but for now, I just wanted to throw that out there as... Some stuff that's going on with me. So I guess it's time to get into the main topic for today. All right, very exciting. We've got some transition music now. I might start adding some effects in the future. Waveform is going to make a lot of those things a lot easier for me. So that's a positive of this, of this change here. A lot of positives. Anyhow, the first few episodes of this podcast, I jumped in and I said, here's how I'd, I would use this piece of Star Wars media in a role-playing game. Here's how I would use this planet. Here's how I would use the things around it. Here's how I'd use the people, etc., etc. But I never thought to take the step back and say, here's what a role-playing game is. Here's what you're doing in the game. And here are the objectives. And I, I thought about this a few days ago when, uh, some friends of mine, I was starting up a new game for them and we were making characters and one of them said, well, um, how do you, how do you play? How do you win? What are the, what are the goals? What are the objectives of a role-playing game? And while the question of how do you win in a role-playing game is a little bit funny to me, it's still a good one because you think of a game and you think, well, there's, there's an objective and then there's winners and then there's losers. So, to start off answering this question, let's discuss the who, and not in a way that would turn this podcast into a discussion of classic rock. So, the first piece of any role-playing game is the Game Master. Um, It's called Dungeon Master in D&D, but in Star Wars, it's just called the Game Master. So, what does a Game Master do? Well, I like to describe the Game Master as being the game itself. There are mechanics in the game that describe how different things are supposed to occur, you know, what determines a success, what determines failure, and, you know, how numbers are generated for, for the character stats, for the weapon stats, etc. But the game doesn't happen without a game master. The game master's primary duty is to write a story, any story. A story that maybe the group has agreed upon, a story that they're reading from a source book, or a story that they come up with on their own. But at the end of the day, the story comes from the mind of the Game Master. The Game Master has to come up with non-player characters or NPCs for short. The Game Master has to determine the setting. The Game Master has to determine long-term objectives. And then after spending all that time preparing, they have to show up at a game, sit down with their players, start the game and prepare for their players to do nothing along the lines of what they planned. Obviously that's a bit on the nose, but every game master has had that experience where they've spent a very long amount of time planning something out to the T only for their players to show up, blow something up randomly, and then everything goes down the drain. Um, In all reality, the game master controls what goes on in the game. So if there's something that a player wants to do that just seems so far outside the realm of possibility, there's an avenue for a Game Master to just say, no, I don't think you can try that. There's this, this, and this going on. So, I mean all that to say, the Game Master can also set limitations to make sure that things go the right way, to make sure that the story points are followed and that a conclusion is possible. Um, that being said, there's a couple different schools of thought uh, on running a game. Uh, Some people do what's known as railroading, which is uh, you are going to reach every story point in order in the way that I have crafted it and you will not deviate. Uh, And then there's just complete improv GMs, as they're called, uh, which just say, all right, here you are, you're in the middle of this cantina and uh, you figure it out. And the GM kind of learns with you. Uh, a player once says, "I want to do this," and a GM has to on the spot say, "Okay, let's see. How can you do that? All right, roll this, or interact with this person." Um, those are two of the extremes, as I see them, and there's everything in between, and none of them are bad, and all of them are fun in their own rights. Uh, the railroad, the railroaded GMs get to tell a very fluid story from start to finish, and. An improv GM gets to embrace a lot of chaos and let a lot of momentary storytelling take place. Both, can, both are a lot of fun. The next role of a GM is to moderate. So if a player wants to take an action, there is a skill in the game likely associated with that action, and the game master will say, okay, roll dice and let's see how well you do. And the game master will need to set a difficulty for that. Uh, That may be a threshold of success they have to reach, or that might be, in the case of the Star Wars games, giving them dice that would directly offset their successes and would that the obstacle is represented by opposing dice rather than just a number. Once a player actually makes the roll and gets a result, the Game Master then interprets that result. So in the case of Star Wars, um, if you are attempting to do something, And the amount of successes that you get outweigh the amount of failures that you get, then you succeed. And the Game Master can interpret that and say, Okay, great, you've hacked open the door, and all these great things happen. Or, you know, you've hacked open the door, but uh uh-oh, you were heard. Um, And someone knows you're there, and now they're coming. Um, So depending on the scenario, depending on the result of the dice, um, the Game Master can interpret the action that has been taken and the result of it. And it's for this reason that I always say that the the GM is the game, because not only do they have the story in their mind, but they are also responsible for telling a player and all the other players around them how their actions have affected the world around them and how everyone can now react to that. Whereas in your mind, if you're telling a story in your own mind, you know, you're know you in control of everything that's going on. You are not reacting to stuff, you are generating things that you are then acting upon. Whereas in this game, there's a collaborative effort to tell a story from the players deciding what they want to do, seeing how good they are at doing that, testing how good they are at doing that, and the Game Master telling them what they've done. This final responsibility of the Game Master is by no means the final one, period, it's just the last one I want to talk about. And that's ensuring that the players have fun. There's a lot of responsibility on the Game Master not only to make the game happen, but to make the game worth it. If players show up to a game and they're not enjoying it, well, they're wasting their time and more than likely they're going to want to leave. And for a game, you know, you want to have fun. And some sacrifice needs to be made there on both the side of the game master and the player of what can and cannot be done uh, to fix that. But at the end of the day, everyone needs to be having fun. So it's best for a game master to talk to players and say, hey, what about this game is interesting to you? What about this character that you've created do you want to really expand on? Do you want to flesh out? Uh, that can be a role playing game. Portion, which would be storytelling, or that could be a mechanical portion, which is you know using uh, the weapons or the stats that a player has made uh, to make themselves strong. Whatever, whatever part of the game that a player wants to interact with, that a player enjoys, the game master is also responsible for making sure that that is found in the game, because they do have so much control over the not only the flow of the game, but what happens in the game, period. With that being said, in an ideal world, the Game Master isn't just some tyrant who rules with an iron fist, no, there's still player activity going on. Players are still interacting in the world, and uh, as I said before, maybe screwing up the plans the GM made. A player, first of all, needs to make a character. Characters have stats that define how good they are at doing things. Um, In Star Wars, some examples of that would be their agility or their brawn or their willpower. And then there's, you know, sort of sub skills that come off of that, which are uh, like deception or how good you are at shooting or how good you are at brawling or using a melee weapon. Um, So there's that aspect of character creation where you have to go in and, and see how good you are at doing things. But there's the other aspect of character creation, which is creating a person. In a role-playing game, you're going to be utilizing a person or creature or whatever it is that you're making, but that entity that you are going to be controlling needs to have feelings. That entity needs to have goals and dreams, and it needs to have A way that it interacts with the world around it, just like any person who walks the earth today would have. So then the player also shares in the storytelling responsibilities as their characters are going to be the things that actually tell the story, right? I mean, the game master has the story and knows the points that they need to reach, but there's no one to tell that story without the players. And so it's their role to be perceptive of what they're hearing, to be perceptive of major and minor plot points and say, notice the world around them and say, okay, well, let's interact with this. This seems important. Or this part of the story is meaningful for my character. So I want to focus on that. But then there's also the responsibility of the character to uh, maybe throw the story off a little bit. I know that some of the most fun times I've ever had in a game as a game master has been when a player says that they want to do something that I have not in any way planned for. I used to talk a lot about the character Kobe that one of my players uh, had and used to play for a while, and the thing that Kobe would do, that his player would do, was... He would just come up with such wacky, out-of-the-box ideas that not only I, but none of the other players had even thought of. It wasn't even on their minds. Um, they were on the wheel, for example, which the wheel is just a giant space casino, uh, essentially with lots of you know shops and that sort of thing. And sitting on the wheel, they have a very specific job. They have a very specific task to do. Uh, they're on the wheel to go turn in their bounty And then they're going to go meet someone else to go get a new job and get off the wheel. However, Kobe looks around and he says, Hey, we're on this giant space casino. There's got to be a lot of money here, right? So let's come up with a big Ocean's Eleven style heist where we get one of our players a job at one of the casinos so he can give us an inside angle and then, you know, come up with all this random stuff that's going to be happening for all these distractions. We're going to blow up a droid over here. We're going to have our guy with the key card swipe us in. We're going to get into the vault. And so it's then my job as the game master on the spot to say, all right, well, you guys put that in motion. And as they're putting that in motion, I'm trying to figure out what obstacles to put in their way. Because the game master's job isn't to shut down the fun. The game master's job is not to say, you want to do that, but I don't want you to do that. That's why it's difficult. No, the game master's job is to be realistic about the difficulty and to make choices impactful. That's always a fine line to walk because I never want players to fail checks especially checks that they want to make. Sometimes it's not true. Sometimes a check that they make might ruin a story point that I have. And so, you know, you can kind of use Game Master's discretion to make something incredibly hard because you're like, well, okay, the boss is in that room and if they blow it up, then nothing's going to matter. But, you know, so, but, but there are those things like robbing the casino. I thought well, that's actually a very fun idea and I want them to be able to explore this. But I have to be realistic. I have to make the stakes high enough to where that decision matters and they can look back on that choice and say wow that was crazy and probably stupid that we did that but we failed but we succeeded whatever whatever it is um, you know regardless of the result that was fun that we did that and you remember that this happened because of that um, so anyway that's the players role that's the game masters role and that's sort of how they um, how the the players can, kind of toy with the GM a little bit but like I said those moments like that are are some of the most fun and some of the most memorable um, not only because they're usually very wacky um, but also it's just the idea that your actions can matter and can influence the world around you is is a very fun idea and is very core to the format of a role-playing game so it's all going on in your heads or it's all going on on some random game mat with minifigures. So what actually is the game? You know, you're not sitting in the cockpit of a starship, or you're not actually in a space casino. And you know, in a video game, you can kind of get the illusion that you are right. You're seeing the graphics on the screen. And to be fair, there are some um, tools that you can use to help you visualize better the world around you in a role-playing game. But still, at the end of the day, it's still static figures and you're still just talking about stuff, right? So where's the actual fun of the game? Well, yes, the fun of the game can be in the mechanics and in succeeding and in saying, I want to do that and rolling the dice and getting the successes or getting the failures. Um, and you could say, okay, I accomplished this today. I accomplished that today. I have this really cool weapon Uh, that i can kill stuff really quickly with you know maybe maybe that's where you find the fun in the game but to me the fun in the game goes well beyond that and it's in a word that i've been repeating over and over again which is story right the story of what the story that you are all telling together through your actions through your thoughts um, that collaborative process of different minds controlling different characters or a GM controlling a thousand different characters and the world around them. Um, that's where the fun of the game lies to me. There have been times when I've read books, especially Star Wars books, and I hear something that I'm really inspired by, and I think, man, that's that's a thread that I wish um, was being pursued more, or I would have written written this differently. I would have liked to have seen this expanded on instead of this. Um, And, you know, it's not necessarily plausible for everyone to write a book, and it's not necessarily practical either. Um, And then sharing that story with others is even more difficult. But the role-playing game gives the opportunity for many people to tell a story together And to pursue those threads that they are passionate about and they're interested in together. I think it's important that you find people to play with that are, I would say, like-minded. And not in the sense that you want to be playing with a whole bunch of people who see the world the same or who see role-playing games the same. But I would say that you need to find people who are willing to go down the roads that you want to go down. Um, Because quite frankly, a lot of people have ideas of how games should go, and sometimes those game those ideas are in conflict with each other. And I've really been learning that a lot as I've been um, playing and, and running games in this Westmarches server, which, um, again, is a little uh, beyond the scope of what I'm talking about now. I'll, I'll discuss it later. But, you know, seeing um, how different people like to interact with the game, like to interpret the game, sometimes, uh, those different views mesh well, and sometimes they really clash and can, you know, be a big, uh, source of conflict. So all that being said, I believe that the people that you play with are as crucial to the experience of the game as the story itself and as the mechanics themselves, right? Um, So once you find that group, you tend to stick with that group for a very long time, uh, as long as you can, because you know each other's quirks, you know each other's interests, you know which ways in the story, um, you know what parts of the story uh, your friends are going to enjoy going down, and you're going to, to hopefully enjoy going down those paths with them or else you know, you probably will be choosing someone else to play with. So a question I typically ask myself is why do I enjoy the Star Wars role-playing game above any other role-playing game? I've I've enjoyed my time playing Dungeons & Dragons. I still enjoy it. Um, but nothing will be as fun to me as the Star Wars RPG. And why is that? Well, I've asked myself that question a lot, and obviously I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so there's one big plus, but it's got to be more than that, right? Because I also really like Harry Potter, but, you know, you don't see me pursuing any Harry Potter games. Um, Not because I don't think they'd be fun. Maybe they would be. But there's something about Star Wars that keeps bringing me back into the fold of the role-playing game. And as I've thought about it, I've gone back to my fascination with space and what's in space and the unknowns in space, right? And the fact that there is so much to explore, but it's all within reach in the Star Wars universe. What I mean by that is the vastness of space, the vastness of, of what's out there is so fascinating to explore because it's, it's so near endless that you're always going to run into something no matter which direction you go. And... If you think about the history of our one world that we live on, the earth that we live on, there's a lot of history here, right? But the amount of history that is in a full galaxy, especially a full galaxy that has had many stories told about it already, um, I mean, the possibilities for that are even more endless. One of the most fascinating stories, and I may have talked about this on the podcast before, it's been so long that I don't remember, um, but one of my favorite stories of all time told in Star Wars is one about, you know, there's all these ships, I believe it was a uh, uh, a fleet of 100 ships called the Katana Fleet, uh, 100 Dreadnoughts, if you know what that is, in Star Wars. And this fleet of 100 Dreadnoughts Um, is, uh, you know, all of the, all 99 ships of of, of the other 99 ships are being controlled by one mothership, pretty much. And uh, that mothership has the coordinates that they're all going to jump to and they're all going to follow that mothership. Um, But the ship malfunctions right before uh, right before they jump to light speed and they don't make it to the coordinates that they were aiming towards on the maiden voyage they they put in the wrong coordinates or I, I forget exactly what happens but anyway they end up going to the completely wrong place um, and they they go out in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy just sitting among the stars and they have no way of getting back their, their, their systems are fried and all these guys just die on the ship out in the middle of nowhere in space. Uh, That in itself is not a cheery story, I understand, but years and years later, these two random guys are just flying around the galaxy and uh, they end up finding this graveyard of ships, of perfect condition ships, a hundred of them, massive ships just sitting out in the middle of nowhere in space. And the discovery of that is just such an interesting concept you know, you're out in the blackness of space in the void and you, you find looming in front of you a hundred of these massive ships that are so much larger than the small, you know, personal craft these guys were flying around in. I just think of how, you know, just the moment of that discovery is so impactful to me and really inspires me. Um, and that is what I think about when I think of Star Wars is I think of that, the, those infinite possibilities in space. Now, all that to be said, as I said before, I, I'm still a Star Wars nerd. And so, you know, obviously I'm going to like Star Wars things uh, just at a baseline. But, um, you know, I think that the, that the smaller things in Star Wars are very cool and compelling for RPGs as well. You know, the weapons, the planets, um, you know, the, the different, uh, species and the different things that of the force that you can discover and and there's a lot of things about the force that i think are are very interesting from a role-playing perspective as well but i just think that that possibility of infinite exploration is so compelling and that's honestly what makes me want to play star wars above any other game if you've played any of my games before um, you'll notice that a common trope of mine is rolling up on, um, you know, a, a, a starship that perhaps you knew you were going to find to meet someone in or that you've come across accidentally um, and you come across it and find out that the ship is empty or that the entire crew has been killed. Um, and that's just because that one plot point, plot point to me is is so interesting and so unique um, to Star Wars, to, you know, to have a um, a ship, you know, something that's supposed to be full of people, um, you know, and and operate and operations going on, right? Um, to to find it and to discover that it's completely empty. There's something very eerie about that, but there's also something very exciting about that. I think there's like a, the, that liminal space concept where you're, you know, you're in an area that you know should be full of people or that you believe should have people in it but it's like you know kind of half dark and and you're alone that that feeling to me is is very interesting and um also kind of goes along with another one of my favorite star wars books that i'm i'm listening to on audible right now uh, called death troopers and uh anyway that one is a very uh horrifying book and uh grosses me out a little bit but back on the topic um so the next thing I wanted to discuss was this West Marches game that I said I've been uh, running games for. So, first of all, I guess I should start by telling you what a West Marches game is. Um, so the games that I've been describing to you so far have been, you know, one game master running a game for a whole bunch of players. You know, typically your party size is going to roll from about three on the very lowest to about six is what I'd say um, I'm actually running a game right now where there's only two players um, and I know that some people uh, if you know GM's actually listen to this show which would be crazy cool um, some people will be like hey I've run 10 or 12 before you know six is weak so you know whatever I mean those are the average number of players as I see them um, but anyway where West Marches differs is in one way and that's well, in many different ways, but the main way is in the amount of players. So a true West Marches game, uh, from what I've read, is, you know, there's one game master and there's maybe, I don't know, 20 players, let's say. And now uh, you may be thinking, wow, 20 people is a whole lot to corral at one time, but you're not corralling them at one time. You know, they're all together in this, in this like a home base, and you're in this unexplored region. And I'm going to start talking about this in sort of Dungeons and Dragons, you know, fantasy type terms, because that's sort of what this system was developed for was a Dungeons and Dragons type game but so anyway um, you're in this unexplored area and you've got a blank map and all of the players um, are you know together in this home base and at any point in time um, well let's let's start with this actually Um, you know the game master is saying okay here's what here's what you know about the world around you and here's what you can begin to you know know about this map. Here's what you can kind of begin to, <clears throat> to sketch out. And so players may go on these different quests to learn about the world around them. And in those quests, they will be kind of developing this map that they are working off of. And whenever a group of players, you know, a small group of players, not all 20 of them, but, you know, maybe four or five go out on at a time and they will you know, see the world around them. They will interact with, they will fight off bad guys, whatever, go on these small quests. They will take what they've learned about the world. They will map it and they will bring it back to the rest of the players. And, uh, you know, let's say on their journey, they wander into a forest and they find a giant and they're not prepared to deal with that giant at the time, but they mark it down. They say, Hey, there's a giant over there in those woods. We don't know what to do about it right now, but we're running back. and We're telling everyone else about it. So, a day later, a week later, whenever uh, a group of players can go, "Hey, remember that giant that they found in that forest? Hey, let's go see if we can take him down or uh you know there's there's a witch on top of that mountain over there, and she's been throwing boulders down the mountain causing a bunch of avalanches and uh, that's been messing up our uh, it's been messing up our base over here, and we don't want we don't want that anymore Let's go up there and let's take care of her so um you know obviously there's there's more depth to it than just that. But those are sort of the basics of a Westmarches game. You have a bunch of players. They're not all playing at the same time, but they are still interacting with each other. They are still helping each other out. And, you know, they're they're making decisions that are good for the group. And the decisions that they make in these individual games are not only helping them and the four or five players that are with them, but they're helping the larger group as a whole. Um, So we've taken this idea, and I say we, and by that I mean um, the fellow game masters, moderators and administrators uh, in the server that I'm in, it's called star Wars insurrection. If you're interested, um, I guess I'll put a discord link in the description because why not? But um, the way we have interpreted this is we've gone a few steps forward and a few steps backwards <laughs> uh, in the West marches um, uh, format, not to say that we're doing anything better or worse necessarily we're just doing things differently um so the first thing we've done is you know we've got quite a few i think we may be up to like 20 ish game masters at this point so those are 20 people who are authorized to run games within uh this this instance of a star wars game um and we've got um i think actively right now we have i don't know 80 ish players uh at one point in time we had about 200 people who had joined and uh know things were getting a little crazy at that time but you know people come and go and um you know we're down to a, a very strong group of players who are um you know very active and you know very uh very solid in in the game and and new players join all the time and we have a very strong base of of players to help them learn but anyway that was an unintentional advertisement i swear but um So, anyway, we've got all these players, we've got all these game masters, and most everyone who is a game master uh, has a character that they play as well. I think I'm the only one who doesn't. Uh, That was out of principle at the beginning, and now it's out of laziness. So, I guess I gotta get on making a character so I can, you know, actually play some games because, you know, just running games can kind of wear you out after a while. But, uh, anyhow, the way that we run things um, are that you know, we'll have a, well, so you've got the rebels and you have the empire, obviously, if you've seen the movies, but then we've kind of made a third faction called the Fringers. Those are the outlaws. Those are your Han Solo before the rebellion types, you know, your bounty hunters, your smugglers, stuff like that. People who haven't really picked a side, who are kind of out in the galaxy to seek their own fortune. So you make a character and you put it, you decide if they're rebel, they're empire, uh, or they're a Fringer. And each faction has some overarching goals that they want to reach and game masters are responsible for you know pitching games um you know coming up with games that meet those um goals that are that adhere to those goals and posting them and saying hey is anyone interested in playing and doing this here in a couple of nights uh, at this time and players will say, "Yeah, I can do that." Or some players may say, "I, I want to do that. I can't do that." Then, um, so you got, you know you kind of work with people to to get a time down. Um, But then the other thing you can do is kind of with that that Westmarchist style is players can go, hey, we know this is out there and we want to do that. Or they say, hey, this is something that isn't really a part of the main goal, but this is something that we think will help us in the long run. So we want to go and do this. So for the Rebellion, for instance, that is like acquiring more ships because, you know, they don't have a whole lot of funds. So they got to go find ways to jack some ships from the Empire or maybe make some contacts who can help get them... um, get their hands on some extra firepower. And in the end, you know, everyone is, you know, all these people, you know, 100 people, however many are in there right now, um, they're all telling a story together. And that story is a little bit more disjointed. Uh, Obviously, it's very hard to quote-unquote railroad a a massive server like that. But, um, you know, still, you kind of, you're still able to, make friends and your character will interact with some characters more than others just by the fact that you're in more games with them and so there's still some development to be had even though it's a bit more chaotic there's a whole lot more going on there's still room for those um intimate um role-playing uh moments to still occur and uh, they have occurred and it's it's been a lot of fun and it's been um you know As I said before, people have different ways of of playing the game and of of role playing the game. And that's been a challenge to figure out at times, you know, because a lot of players have a lot of different ideas. We've got players from all over the world, too. And so a lot of people just have different ways that they, you know, not necessarily interpret the English language, but they have different different mannerisms, different ways of saying things that, you know, some people aren't used to hearing. And so that's been an interesting barrier to cross as well. Uh, But it's all been a lot of fun. And, you know, I've uh, grown a lot in my knowledge of the game. And I think most uh, of the people in there would, would say the same as well. And so anyway, yeah, as different goals and objectives are being met, you know, the story develops. And uh, I think the beginning, uh, in the beginning, it was, it was, we were very ambitious and we said, yes, everything is going to be uh, a st- part of the story and we're going to mark down everything that happens and we're going to keep track of everything. And we're going to have this <clears throat> broad expansive knowledge of everything that's happened in the games. But what you find is it's hard to keep track of that stuff <laughs> and you kind of just got to, you know, keep track of the high level stuff and let the low level stuff ride a little bit. Um, but anyway, as I said, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a very unique, um, role-playing experience and, uh, and I suggest it for anyone, not just for Star Wars games. Uh, I I know that there's a rich uh, D&D Westmarch's culture because I think Westmarch's is actually like a place in d and a land in D&D that was made for this style of game. But we've kind of taken that concept, the basic concept, and, and adapted it. Um, not only for Star Wars, because I think there's more true to the f- true to form ways to have adapted it to Star Wars. Um, we've so we've not only adapted it to Star Wars, but we've also adapted it to ourselves. And we're constantly adapting it to what problems in the, <laughs> come up in the server. Um, so I think in the future, um, what you may see is I, I may start having some people from that server come on um, and talk about it. Uh, I think I'll have the the guy who started the server uh, on uh, to you know, discuss... You know the, the thought behind creating it, and then, you know, I, I, it would just be interesting for me to start having conversations with people um, on this podcast, and I want to start doing that. So, anyway, all that to say, um, you know, maybe expect uh, some different different voices to be on here, uh, talking about Star Wars Insurrection or talking about other things. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I'm just I'm interested to, to open the door up to some more opportunities and possibilities. So now, as I'm starting to digress a little bit uh, let's kind of kick it into a new topic. And that topic is going to be, you know, the, the show in general. Once again, um, I've thought about recently how, you know, this is a Star Wars RPG podcast and I want, you know, initially I was reading a bunch of books and I wanted to talk about those books in the concept, in the context of Star Wars, uh, RPGs. And I still want to do that. I still think that's uh, a very cool thing to do, but um I think I think in some ways, you know, I I could also and maybe should also split the Star Wars from the RPG sometimes. Um and maybe just, you know, talk about some Star Wars stuff in general, like um you know, the Mandalorian has been coming out, obviously Book of Boba Fett uh, just just wrapped up last week as I talk now and um you know, I I I try not to get on the internet um Anymore, and by that I mean, you know, Twitter, Instagram, the social media platforms, um, for a few reasons. But one of those reasons is, you know, the toxicity of the conversation is is just not fun to engage with. Um, and so I have lots of thoughts on them that I think are interesting enough. And so um, maybe I start having a, a segment on here once in a while where I talk about the new things that are out and uh, kind of give my Takes on them and then talk about them from the from the Star Wars uh, role playing perspective. I think that'd be it'd be fun for me. Maybe it'd be interesting uh, if you uh, know me or if you uh, can dig up that Reddit page that has pretty much laid and active for a long time. Uh, and you want to tell me that's a bad idea. Uh, you can do that. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> and I'll probably listen. But um, anyway, that's an idea of where I want to maybe take this next. So to end off today. I will do as I used to do and have typically done, which is to talk about, uh, talk about a game that has happened. So I've spent all this time talking about Star Wars Insurrection, the West Marches server, and so obviously I've got to bring up a game that happened <clears throat> in Insurrection. So first I'll introduce the cast of characters, and I had to dig quite, quite deep into the vaults of the Discord to find out and remember who actually played in this game. It was played on November 23rd of 2021, so about three months ago, which isn't too far back. But uh, relative to this server, there's a lot of games going on, so I did have to dig uh, fairly deep. But uh, anyway, the game was... uh, The session was titled Balado's Reminder, and the characters were uh, Vanya, Balado, Alongo, Jay, Gibit, Uh, And there's one other one, um, but that player has since left, and I don't remember who their character was. Uh, So, anyway, those are the. uh, There were six characters, five I remember. Um, The point of the mission was uh, this was for the Fringer faction, first of all. And um, Bellotto is a hut, and some uh, people on the planet. uh, What planet were they on? I think they were like black spire outpost uh which is what disney is using now for um like their disney world and disneyland stuff uh planet batu that's what it's called the planet of batu um i don't think it, it, it wasn't black spire outpost itself it was on the same planet um yeah so anyway uh, some people on batu are paying blotto the hut some protection money And they stopped paying their protection money. So, you know, this group uh, are going over as enforcers to um, force them to to pay up. So, anyhow, with that in mind, um, they get to the planet. um, They go to find the guy who owes Pilato money. And they find some of his lackeys kind of, you know, um, rooting around at the spaceport doing some stuff. And... Somehow or another, it's been a while, uh, somehow or another, uh, Bellotto um, uh, gets noticed. No, he doesn't want to be noticed. That's what it is. So he stays on the ship. um, And he sends the other five out there to kind of go and do his bidding. Uh, So a few of them walk right over to the guy's store that he runs, um, big big weapons store. And a couple of them kind of go rooting around at the spaceport to go and figure out what the lackeys were doing there. Um, So anyway... Um, the interesting parts of the a lot happens in the mission um, and I'm not going to go through every single plot point but um, Jay I believe is doing some work on one of the ships uh, trying to tamper with it uh, to see what these lackeys are doing and I believe ends up getting spotted having to run back to the ship uh, and then wait for the coast to be clear to get back out and continue with tampering and um, Gibit, Vanya, Alongo, and I don't remember the last person's name. Like I said, uh, so I'll call them. I'll call them Joe. How's that? Uh, so Gibit, Vanya, Alongo, and Joe uh, are walking over to the store, um, and Gibit ends up getting a tip that the store owner might be at a local cantina, so he starts to head that way to go and talk to him, and the rest of them. Uh, head over towards uh, the store. Uh, well, Alongo and Joe get into a little bit of a firefight in the back garage uh, of the store. I think Vanya's kind of like posting watch on the street. Um, anyway, they get into a firefight uh, near the speeder garage, and uh, they end up killing uh, all of the lackeys that are back there., uh, but there's a Alongo notices a camera uh, and tries to roll away. Um, and he successfully rolls away but he rolled in such a way that he succeeded, but there were a significant amount of threats in his success, uh, which means that although he succeeded in getting away from the camera's view, bad things still happen. So the way I interpreted that as a GM was uh, Alongo rolls into the garage and takes cover inside one of the shipping containers uh, inside the garage, uh, leaving Joe out there to kind of, you know, pace around and, and see what he can do about it. Well, not too long after... Uh, the door, um, uh, no, a, a speeder rolls up to go park in the garage. They take out the speeder, they take out the cameras, um, and they roll up to the door. Uh, they get into the office of the guy who they're trying to find. And, um, I believe they also begin to set explosives. Oh yeah. They break into the store. They kill all of the guards in there. Uh, they steal some of their weapons and they use some of their explosives to like plant charges. All around the store, it's a it's a large store too. So Ghibit finally makes it to the cantina, finds the guy that they're looking for, and Ghibit, mind you, is an Ewok, so not too imposing a figure on his own. But Ghibit is very good at talking to people. Uh, so he rolls up uh, to this guy and his the goons that he has sitting at the table with them, uh, and he starts telling him why he's there. He said, "Hey, you haven't paid Bolatto your money," and he said, "Yeah, I'm paying these other guys. They're going to do the job instead." And it says, yeah, well, we're here to collect. And, you know, kind of starts to stir the public uh, around him on his side. And as this is happening, um, you know, the store has had charges planted on it. And Jay and Bilotto have cooked something up, uh, I believe, with uh, the, peop- the some of the remaining lackeys at the spaceport. Uh, maybe they've killed them all, but some way or another they have, um, you know, they've got a way to contact uh this uh this main this main bad guy now uh in a way that he thinks only his people can talk to him over so um with all this in mind they've communicated as as keep was on his way to go make have, have this conversation of hey we've got this we've got this um this store rigged to blow up and then these guys over here are saying, Hey, we've got this Comm Link ready. If he tries to contact his people, we're going to be the ones who answer. And so as Gibbet sort of um, constructs this conversation, um, at you know, at key moments, you know, they blow up the store, uh, a guy he calls for backup, the bad guy calls for backup, and on the other side of the comm link is uh, is Jay and Pilato. And so at that point he knows it's lost. So he sends his goons to go and, and charge Gibit, uh, but the public around Gibet has had enough of this bad guy and all that he's done, and has seen that there is that there is hope because um, the players have destroyed and taken down the um, the boss's power, and so they resist. Um, the the goons for Gibet and you know uh, detain them and walk them over to Pilato. Uh, where the protection money is then uh, probably doubled. I forget, but it's definitely increased. Um, more protection money is paid. The the day is, I guess, saved. Paying protection money probably isn't, uh, you know, the most good guy thing you could have, uh, you could do. But uh, re- relatively, the day is saved. Um, that game still sticks out to me as being one of the most fun I've ever run, ever. Um, just because of you know, the the weird twists and turns that were taken along the way. Um, That was a game that I had planned to go completely differently, and I'm glad it did not go the way that I wanted it to, because the decisions that the players made and then the roles that they made to enact those decisions, um, you know, we played around with them, and we went different directions with them than what I had initially planned. And in the end, the players told a, a really interesting story, and I got to facilitate it. And I think we all enjoyed it and had a good time. Uh, if any of those players are, are listening, uh, you probably remember things better and uh, differently than I do. So uh, definitely remind me of how that story went because that was that one was a lot of fun for me. But anyhow, uh, that was that was Bilotto's reminder. So uh, with all that being said, I think that's where I'm going to wrap up today's episode. Another wasn't too much uh, star wars talk in it uh today was more of the rpg side of it but um as we go forward i'll definitely be more star wars focused and more star wars rpg focused but uh, for now thank you for listening and may the force be with you always